Blog Talk Radio. Testing, testing, testing. Testing, testing, testing. If you are tuned into the ruckus, I apologize. We are experiencing some technical difficulties. Please hold for just one moment. Testing, testing. Testing, testing, testing. Testing, testing, testing. are tuned in for the Ruckus podcast. I apologize. We are experiencing some technical difficulties. Please stand by. Good evening. I am so sorry. Maybe that's a sign we're not supposed to talk about this fight anymore. Let's get this show started. Reverend Isaiah with the Concrete Jungle Boxing Tribe. Shouting out to one of the baddest teams in the game, Bad Culture Radio. Thank you for the good work you guys are doing. To let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder. Damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. Good evening. Broadcasting from not only the home with the slowest Wi-Fi, but the wackest Wi-Fi to boot. This is Giandra LaBeouf, and this is the Ruckus Podcast. Brought to you by the Bad Culture Radio Network every Tuesday night, 7 p.m. or 7.08 or 7.09, whatever the case might be, depending on how the little man in the chisel is working in my modem at that time. But we are here. We are here to talk about boxing, of course. We are going to recap this last weekend's super fight of the century. The fight of the century was really amongst the media this weekend and all of the people who just converged on Las Vegas for no real apparent reason, knowing damn well they weren't going to the fight. So we'll talk about the the spectacle that was Mayweather Pacquiao in the aftermath, and we will be putting that fight to bed after this week. We're not talking about this fight anymore after this week. We're also going to talk about the uh, inaugural card on True TV presented by Top Rank, uh, capped off by... Al versus Beltran. Beltran, of course, did not pick up the title, even though he won, because he couldn't make weight on the scale. We'll also talk about the, I mean, I guess we'll talk about the Mayweather promo card with uh, 
Ishe Smith's scintillating victory. So we'll talk about that. And then, of course, we'll preview Canelo versus Kirkland. We're going to be joined by Hank Lundy, who announced today he'll be fighting Mauricio Herrera, also been a past guest of the Ruckus, probably will be a guest again since we have Mr. Lundy on. So we'll talk to him at some point during the show. And me, of course, and my co-host, Ryan Bivens, and joining us, Ismail Abdusalam of BeatsBoxingMayhem.com, who got to take in the amazing spectacle that Las Vegas was this weekend as well. So I will start with Ryan. Ryan Bivens. How are you, Ryan Bivens? I feel like I haven't spoken to you with a while in a while, but it's only been a week. <laughs> I'm good. You know, I had a good day at the gym today. I had a job interview. I think pretty, went pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty good. Excellent. And Ismael, how are you today recovering from uh, the, the debauchery that was Vegas? Well, not too much debauchery for me, but I'm um, doing good, ready to talk boxing, and like you said, ready to put the Mayweather-Pacquiao event, quote-unquote, behind us. I know. It just felt like it was like the backdrop for one of those big Donald Trump, like, celebrity kind of fundraiser season-ending show things that they do. But at any rate, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the fight. We'll talk about the the nonsense that surrounded it, and then it'll be laid to rest once and for all unless something else major happens, but we won't talk about the fight itself. If you are listening to the show and you would like to speak to me or to Ryan or to Ismail or Hank when he calls in, the call-in number is 718-508-9852, and I'm sure you follow all of us on Twitter, so I won't waste your time. Let's jump right back into it. Let's just jump right into it. I'm going to start with Ryan because Ryan was watching, watching from home taking in the merits of the fight. So I'm going to start with Ryan. Would you like to start with the undercard, the main event, or how, how would you like to <laughs> The undercard. I thought it was funny. The undercard exhibition, the exhibition bouts that were taking place. Yeah, um, I'm just going to pretend like the undercard didn't happen. That, that's how I would wish to proceed. But uh, Leo Santa Cruz and Vasil Lomachenko, they won the fight. So that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all that could be said. Um, Ismael? Uh, yeah, Santa Cruz, I'm just, I don't know what to say about him anymore. I mean, at least he's saying that he wants to fight Abner Morris. We'll see where that goes. You know, Lomachenko did what we expected him to do. Um, Outside of the first round, first two rounds that were kind of competitive, you know, that was just a whitewash, so... Luckily, it was only two bouts instead of three. That's really the only thing we could say about the undercard. I mean, it was, I don't even know if you can use the word showcase. It was just <laughs> squash matches, basically, if you want to take a wrestling turn. I agree. Uh, to be perfectly honest, by the time the Santa, you know, I watched the Lomachenko card. It started off a little, it was a little bit more competitive. Not that I ever had any doubt that Lomachenko was going to emerge victorious, but it was a little bit more competitive that I thought it would be. He fought the kid, the Puerto Rican kid. I'm trying to flip through Emilio my notes. Emilio Rodriguez, I think. Yeah. So I, um, you know, if you follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you probably know that I got hooked up with the closed circuit tickets, which had an open bar. So let me just say that not much of the undercard was seen during the um, open bar portion of the program. I did, however, watch Lomachenko versus Rodriguez. Rodriguez was pretty scrappy, and he came out. I gave him the first round. 
But, you know, he started to fall apart, started landing a lot of low blows. Lomachenko gave him one himself for his troubles, but like I said, he was never in any danger of defeating Lomachenko. Bob Aaron wasn't having it. I'm ready. It was good to keep put his name out there on the grand stage for people to see him, so I'm looking forward to I'm not ready to wash my hands of Lomachenko yet because this was what, his fifth fight, his fifth professional fight, and he's on the biggest pay-per-view in history. Pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. Things like that don't happen to me. That's like the equivalent of walking down the street and finding a, a winning lotto ticket. So great for him. But as for Leo Santa Cruz, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even. I don't even have anything to say about that because I feel like he is playing with us and he is wasting our time. And I don't know why they keep parading this boy out in front of us, playing around. At least, you know, they built up Canelo's career on Floyd's undercards, and granted Canelo fought some washed-up opponents as he made his ascent, but they were still more competitive fights than what we are seeing from Leo Santa Cruz. So, at the, I mean, Abner Morris went on his little Twitter campaign saying that he was ready, posted the little naked shots on Instagram, he's fit, he's in shape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that we are legitimately being built to see a Santa Cruz Abner Morris fight, or are they just trolling us? What's, what's, what's going on with this? What do you think, Ismael? Uh, well, if history goes by anything, you would say that they're trolling, but um, I think at this point, you know, well, you can never run out run out of an uh, easy opponent. But I think the public has reached a boiling point where it's getting to a point where it's just apathy, which is the worst thing you want to have as a boxer. You know, you can either have intense hate for someone or you can just have adoration. You know, you want that type of intense reaction. But, you know, Santa Cruz is not getting any of that. And that was indicative by just the crowd reaction to him. You know, it was just zero care about what was going on in the ring with him. And he has no one to blame, really, but his management and what they've been doing with him. I mean, at this point, he, this guy was ranked, what, 115 in the world? Yes. Something yes. like that. Yeah, it was just – and he has talent. But, you know, just like we've been talking about before, when you continually give a young fighter um, fighters that aren't challenges, it stunts their development. It actually hurts them so when they eventually do step up, they don't know how to react. You know, he had been going on a decent path, and he'd been fighting guys that were a little bit over the hill but can go rounds like Mahares and things like that, and then they just... His, they his just, fight with Tarasas was his most impressive. Right. Like that's, and at that just, point, I thought his career was, you know, going great, and then he just... Right. He just kind of started fighting worse and worse opposition. <laughs> Right, it, it just went left for no reason, and it's not like they had to scare. You know, sometimes stuff like that happens if you have yeah, he destroyed you know, like a he completely destroyed him. Right, yeah, wrong. he didn't have he didn't have any close decisions or scare with anybody. He was dominant, and they just decided to pull back anyway. So, I mean, I don't know if we if we're going to blame Al Heyman or what, but at some point he just needs to take some type of charge of his career because he's basically an afterthought in his own division, even though he has a title. Okay, so let me pose this to, to to you gentlemen, and I'll start with Ryan and then Ismael. You can chime in. Who's had the worst career development despite having titles, Leo Santa Cruz or Gary Russell Jr.? Both Heyman fighters. Both were matched against who the hell are these people opponents. Whose development has been worse? Gary Russell Jr. now has a title, but up until that point he had to get clocked 
before he made the road back. So which do you think has been worse? Well, uh, Gary Russell right now is on a better path. But overall, I'd say Santa Cruz has a, a resume edge. Resume Yo, as a, in a win, edge on a having the worst development edge. or the better development? Uh, I don't. Santa Cruz has enough building fights that he can be put into a super fight and he should know, uh, you know, enough. Um, it, it probably should have happened maybe a year or ago at this point because he's, he, he stepped so far back down that uh, he might have, you know, kind of lost some of his fire. Honestly, he doesn't look as good as he used to be. Right. And I don't, I don't know if that's him not giving a crap because it is hard to give a crap when you know <laughs> you wanted to fight when the contract was signed. So right. you know, there's always that. But at the same time, he, he might not be learning anything in the gym anymore and he just might be, like, going through the motions. So who knows? Um, we just kind of wait and see. Fortunately for him, Adam Morris hasn't looked good either. So <laughs> that fight makes a lot of sense. Okay, then let me give this – let me lob it over to Ismael then about the career development, and I'll pose a second question. If he is becoming disinterested and not learning anything in the new, and they're anything new, and they're continually protecting him, is it time to move on to another trainer away from his father? No, nah, I wouldn't do that because that would probably make him look even worse. I mean, I think his father is his main support system at this point. You know, his main champion, of course. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing that until he actually, I wouldn't even say loses a fight because it depends on who he loses to. I mean, if he were to lose to somebody like Riggendale, I mean, that's expected. But right. um, he's still dominating these guys. You know, it's not like he's struggling and, you know, getting split decisions and things like that. So I don't think it's anything that needs to be drastically done in that regard. He just needs better competition. Um, regarding your first question, I'm still going to go with Gary because, I mean, this little bum run that uh, Santa Cruz has been on has been, like, what, a year and a half, two years? You know, Russell's run was about five years. So, yeah. you know, Santa Cruz still has a ways to go before he reaches where Russell was as far as competition, just dire competition year after year after year. So he's he's on the right track to get to that if he doesn't increase the competition, but he still has a ways to go to get as bad as Russell was. Uh, yeah, I actually rate, like, four or five of Santa Cruz's opponents as, like, legit. So right. I, I can only rate two of Gary Russell's. Right, right. I'm, I'm just ready for them to, to do something with him because it really is a waste of talent. A lot of fans like him, but, you know, the contingency of fans that enjoy him are going to start to lessen and lessen. You know, I see it in my own timeline, and this is from his own people who were real high on his support list. So when you're – your stands and super fans start turning on you. That's not a good sign. So hopefully we will see something from him in the future. And then, you know, at legitimately, what was, let's see, how do I want to say this? At this point, Leo Santa Cruz's career, since they've been on this sliding, slippery slope of diminishing him by way of mediocre talent, how do you rebuild him back up to headline a card? Because if you've been fighting on the, and he's under, fought on the undercard of two pay-per-views, if I'm not mistaken, and he hasn't headlined a card, but he's not really developing a fan base or generating this excitement in people for him to headline a card. So how long does he still kind of, you know, ride the rails 
at this point, as a champion, shouldn't he be ready to headline his own card? Well, I think even with the way he's been looking and even with his diminished name value, I still believe you put him in with Mars, that's still going to be an instant seller in California. That's an instant main event. You you can definitely still pull that off as a main event, even with the way they've been looking recently and the competition they've been in, because they still have name value. And this is a fight that still has been talked about for about two years now, going back to their Golden Boy days. So it's still in everybody's mind, it's still in boxing fans' mind that it's a matchup that would, at least on paper, it should look good, the way their styles are. Um, they haven't really shown knockout power at this weight, so, you know, you're going to get some rounds in, or we should get some rounds in, and we should get some toe-to-toe action. So I think fans would instantly buy up that main event. That's a perfect California fight for me. I could see that on another Mayweather on the card, too. Like, uh, Mayweather, you know, is going for that 49th one. Right. It's probably not going to be a hard fight uh, if he wants to win that. Is that, that, that fucking curse is serious. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, you know, they got to make up. They got to make up for that last terrible on the card. And, you know, we have had some, some good Mayweather co-features in the past, and this would be another one. Makes sense to me. I mean, uh, you know, September is, you know, not that long away. Are you guys convinced that he's even going to fight in September? Because to me, you know, this fight was the mountaintop, you know, per se, and especially with the payday that he's gotten do you really think he's going to be motivated to get back in the ring that quickly? Well, I mean, he says he is. <laughs> they put this says his last fight in September. Like, I I don't know how he's going to get up for it, but I think he just wants to get this shit over with. So maybe maybe that's his motivation. Like, I'm done as soon as this fight ends. So what do you think about his statement where he said, well, allegedly he texted Stephen A. Smith of ESPN this morning say he's willing to get Pacquiao a rematch a year from now whenever his shoulder's healed? Um, yeah, it's just talk. You know, you know, you know, he might come out of retirement. Uh, he might. But him coming out of retirement is going to be some, like, you know, crazy stipulations on that. Like, cause yeah. w- once he's no longer on the contract, he doesn't have to fight anymore. You're going to have to submit to his every demand. I mean, everything. <laughs> so it's, it's going to get kind of ridiculous. And then, uh, who knows? You know, the fight might fall apart. The only way I'm watching Mayweather Pacquiao 2 is this is on 4 o'clock in the afternoon on NBC. I'm one of them PBC cards. Other than that, you can forget it. I'm not ordering no pay per view for that after what we saw. <laughs> Yeah, um, if they want to have a rematch, they got to cut that price in half. <laughs> no, no joke. They got away with a hundred dollar pay per view. Hundred dollar pay per view with that undercard. Hundred dollars for that plus Santa Cruz plus Lomachenko. No. I mean, at least when we had you know the one we had you know that Garcia Matisse co-feature that everybody got up for. You know they. They didn't even do that. But that was a legit fight. Yeah, I mean, it was a legit card. I mean, so right. you understand that, you know, that pay-per-view was, was celebrated. This one was just like, you know, they came in telling you, stick them up, and after the fight, people, for some reason, you know, were surprised that they got robbed. <laughs> right. Robbery was you know, even... from the jump. Y'all should have known for I'm sorry. Right, and the funny thing is I've heard some boxing fans say, well, they did the right thing because, you know, you don't want to waste good matchups on the undercard. You know, we have a lot more dates, which is stupidity to me because, number one, 
we have more eyes on this fight and on boxing than any other time in the year and any other time in recent years. Perfect opportunity right. to this come on some good fights. people ordered this pay-per-view? Exactly. No, we don't get those exactly. numbers on free cable fights. Right. Right. I mean, because look at, look at Danny. Look at Danny Garcia. He is still riding the wave, basically, of that Matisse performance. You yeah. know, he got fans that are dedicated to him based on the way he performed in that fight. Same thing could have happened with Santa Cruz or Lomachenko. You put them in with some decent competition or put them in with fights that they may lose. Competitive fights, they would have gotten fans for the next couple of years based on the way they performed in that fight. But instead, you got people who literally don't care about them, even as talented as they are. So I really don't know the philosophy behind why some people think they should have just left the undercard the way it is, especially with that price tag. It just makes zero sense. And I don't understand. And then, you know, piggybacking on the one versus the fight of the century, if that's what we're calling it, (laughs) I'm sure that they had to pay some decent money to Danny Garcia and to Lucas Matisse for that undercard fight versus – and having a smaller pot of money to work with. You have this fight. Of course, Manny Pacquiao is going to make a lot of money. Floyd's going to make a lot of money. But in the midst of all that money, they couldn't pay for a better bout. Even if they paid Mares and Santa Cruz a mil each to fight each other, they still had the lion's share of the pot. They could have given Lomachenko the exhibition fight great. You pay for a decent undercard, but then it's a more palpable card to watch. Even if, even if Mayweather Pacquiao went the same way it went, I think people right. would have been a little less disgusted had the rest of the card been better. And yeah, you know, they would have said, "Oh, I didn't like the way the Floyd fight go, but damn, that Santa Cruz Mares fight was cracking." You know, and it gives people it, it salvages the card. But instead, you have people filing lawsuits now because we have a trash main event and then a trash-ass undercard and and tickets that were not affordable, and the fight itself was a backdrop for an Entertainment Tonight piece. And it was just ridiculous. And then, and then the bogus shoulder situation. Well, oh, man. <laughs> let's let's, First, get, let's oh, look, that. Here's how it started. First, Pagel came out and said he wanted to fight. And then when everybody <laughs> told him, no, dude, you got schooled. It wasn't close. It was like, well, my shoulder got injured. And then, you know, they, they you know, they look at the records and they say, hey, you know, on this medical form there, you, or well, not him personally, but someone from the team, I think it was Michael Kant, checked off that you had no injuries in training camp, even though he also uh, acknowledged that he was treated, you know, with certain, you know, uh, drugs, um, you know, I guess to, to, to treat the shoulder. And, you know, his doctors told him he was okay to fight everything. But for whatever reason, he checked no on the box that said he had an injury. So, to me, that says if you took medication um, to uh, heal your shoulder and your doctor said you're good to fight and you say it's not an injury, that means it wasn't that bad. But now they act like it was really bad. Okay, oh, now I, I need surgery. Which, speaking of which, Boxes that do get surgery on, on like, you know, shoulders and stuff like that, even if it, you know, is successful, they come back and they're not the same. Honestly, like, if you're expecting to pack out to get surgery and come back to be, you know, pack out old, it's not going to happen. It's probably going to ruin them and they'll lose to Terrence Crawford or something. 
But yeah, look anyways. no further than uh, Jeff Lacey as far as locator cuff surgery. Right, right. You know, it's it just uh, the arm just doesn't box right anymore after surgery. So, I guess, that, but but to me, it, it it's just kind of reaching to get a rematch. Like he must really want the money back because he's hurting his legacy with these excuses. He really is. But I mean, the only reason—the well, only reason to make him is to suggest to people that he could have won the fight if he was healed, and that might convince them to order another crappy pay-per-view between him and Mayweather. I think that their egos just can't handle that Pacquiao got dominated like that. Just keep it one hundred. Just say your ego is crushed, and you thought it would be a more competitive fight because. Floyd dominated him fighting in the style that we always know Floyd to fight in. Everyone complains about Floyd running in the ring, and they all have this strategy that they're going to walk him down and brutalize him, yet no one's able to do it. No one cuts the ring off sufficiently. And then they complain, but they steady up Floyd's ass trying to get a Floyd fight because that's the fight with the money. And during the fight, I mean, when when he talks about it after the fight, he says, uh, you know, it really started bothering him in the third round. Your best round was the fourth round. The what do you mean round. it really started exactly. bothering you in the exactly. third round? How does that make any sense? Exactly. I think every single person I know who was scoring the fight who watches boxing. The fight was even two, six rounds. It was like round. a draw. It was like they were going back and forth. It was an even fight for six rounds. Then Floyd started to pull away. You know what the interesting thing is? I think among us in the know, as far as you know, boxing observers and writers, this does hurt Pacquiao's legacy, but I really don't think it does with the, the regular fans from what I've been hearing. It's like people are really kind of buying this excuse. And I think it really a lot of it is because of what people think about Floyd. Because let's, let's even look at the whole situation five years ago. There should be no way that someone in the steroid era refuses to take a drug test and still comes out looking like the better fighter. But that's exactly what happened with Pacquiao and Mayweather, basically because of people's personal feelings about Mayweather. We look at this situation now. If this were reversed, and if this was Mayweather saying, my shoulder is the reason why I lost, he would be crucified. But I'm not really hearing that too much with Pacquiao. I think people, number one, are buying this excuse because they don't like Floyd. And then it's kind of amazing to me how top rank, how they can continue to control the narrative because, the majority of people are not talking about how great Floyd did in this performance. The majority of people are talking about, well, I wonder how Pacquiao would have did if his shoulder wasn't messed up, which is right. crazy to me. We're going you know, to Floyd... we're, we're pick it up back there. We're going to pause it right there with the narrative. I'm going to write that down so we don't forget to come back to it because our first guest is on the line, so I'm going to pick it up. We are going to be joined by Hamron Hank Lundy. What's going on, Hamron Hank Lundy? What's up? You know, I ain't doing nothing to training, you know, doing what I do. Talk to us. Talk to the people. What's going on with you? For those of who are just now tuning in the show and didn't hear our intro and our announcement about you announced today on your social media, tell, uh, tell the listeners what's going on with you. Oh, uh, y'all know, um, I had three fights to sell out, so I've been in the gym working, you know, keep my weight down. You know, I was trying to do 135, but this one, you know, we're going to stay strong at 140. You know, I'm actually, the WBC, you know, is going to put me back in the ratings. So, I'll be hopefully after winning this title, you know, I'll be back, you know, at the number one spot. But they got me going against the boy Herrera. You know, I'm excited. 
you know. I give him respect because he's a warrior just like me. But at the end of the day, all that respect goes out the door once fight time, you know, comes. All right, all right. So, you know, for those of you just tuning in, we are on the line with Hammerin' Hank Lundy. You can follow him on Twitter, Hammerin' Hank 30. Uh, just announced today he will be fighting against uh, Mauricio Herrera. Joining me on the call with uh, Hank Lundy, of course, is Ryan Bivens. Philadelphia, it's my Abdul Salam of Atlanta from Beatboxing Mayhem. So I'm going to lob it over to Ryan. Go ahead. Hey, what's up, Hank? Hey, what's going on, bro? So the fight's going to be July 11th, HBO Latino. Correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, it was actually, you know, the sixth. You know, I was ready for the sixth, but they changed it because HBO, you know, had to find another date. So they changed it to July 11th, you know. So, you know, there's even more time, but I was ready for the sixth, you know what I mean? But, you know, it is what it is. Let's get this Let's get this going so I get this title and show the world that, you know, Hammer and Hank, you know, first of all, first and foremost, I'm back. Hammer and Hank, and if the knockout's there, I'm going for it, you know, I'm back. Okay, okay. You know, it's it's kind of interesting that you're, you're fighting an opponent that has had hard luck winning decisions like you have. You know, it seems like, right, you know, right. you, you guys are, you know, kind of kind of needing the judges to agree with you, and you, you, you just never never get a break. So what what do you do in a, in a fight like that when you, when you got both guys that are unlucky with the judges? How, how do they approach it? Well, you know, my behalf, you know, at the end of the day, it's because I don't, I don't have a big-time promoter, you know. I have a big manager, which that helps to a certain degree, you know. But otherwise than that, you know, um, I don't get the fair shake because of the um, promoter. You know, with the Gary Shaw fight, even with the knockdown, I still won the fight, you know. Um, HBO wanted a rematch. You know, Gary Shaw said, hell no, <laughs> you know. Um, and a rematch out of Safi. I actually gave up the blueprint on how to beat the Normay, you know. But otherwise than that, you know, um, Mauricio, you know, he's a warrior. But you're dealing with a different type of fighter now. I'm not a Kareem Mayfield, you know. I'm not a um, Danny Garcia. I'm hammering Hank Lundy. You know, I bring a lot of things to the table. And I'm not I'm not versatile. I, I'm, I'm versatile, you know. I'm not one-dimensional. I got all the tools. Right. But, you know, you both have long arms and work a good jab. You know, who who wins the jab in this fight? Me. Hank Wendy's won the jab all day. You know, first and foremost, you know, um, as I look at Herrera, you know, he, he he likes to fight, you know. But otherwise than that, you know, I have more, you know, ring generalship than him, you know. And, and I'm going to go out there and beat him to the punch and do what I do. Uh, Ishmael? Hank, man, I wanted to ask you, as far as when you're looking at the 140-pound division, who do you want to target as far as you get past this fight? Who do you want to target for the title? You know, what fight entices you the most? Well, I want the champ, <laughs> Danny Garcia. You know, after this fight, you know, I'm not looking past Herrera, but I'm focused and I'm determined, you know, and I got world title on my mind. So once I get past Herrera, you think about it. Just two guys that I cleaned up, you know, and one was um, Lucian Joseph that had the number one spot for three years 
and didn't even fight Danny. And I find that very odd, you know. I fought him, and I destroyed him. He had a war with Matisse, which I think, you know, the stoppage was questionable, but it was a war, and I, I destroyed him. It was all one side. Now you got Mar- Mauricio Herrera, you know, who actually took Danny to school. I'm not going to sugarcoat nothing. Just because we're from Philly don't mean I got to lie, you know. That's why the what? fans love me today, because I tell the truth and I speak my mind. And I'm going to show them how it's done. And after that, you know, I want Danny. If they don't give me Danny, you know, you got you got um, Brona in front of him. You've been to Kent. Give me him. You know, it don't matter. I have no picks, you know. Give, give them to me. Gotcha. Oh, that yeah, one more, one more. I want, I want, oh, excuse me, excuse me. My bad. You know who I want? I want Terrence Crawford. That's who I want. Mm. You know, HBO presented him to me, and I said, yeah, we fighting. He said, no. Then he fought the Norman. Well, once I win this, step up, Terrence, and fight. Let, let's fight. Let's go. I'm going to show you what a um, real junior welterweight would do. You know, you fought Gamble, you did your thing, congrats. You fought the Norman, congrats. But you're dealing with a different type of beast now. All that talk go out the window when we're in that ring. Have you ever had a chance to spar or meet uh, Crawford up to this point? What'd you say? Have you ever uh, talked to Crawford one-on-one or had a chance to spar with him or anything like that up until this point? No, I never had a chance to spar with him, but you, you think about it. Um, you know, it was on Twitter. You know, his his um, I think his brother or something, somebody named Red in this corner talked a lot of trash, and I had to check him. And I told him, you know, y'all know me, man. First of all, I don't play that internet talk stuff, you know what I mean? You say something to me, I'm going to check your ass, and I'm going to check you. And then when I see you, you might liable to get smacked in your face or get punched in your face. And I told him that. You got a lot of mouth on these on the keyboard, you know what I mean? What you going to do when you see me face to face? You know? <laughs> mm. These guys funny. <laughs> they don't know it's real with me. Let's go back to Herrera real quick. As far as his fighting side, you know Herrera likes to get inside, likes to kind of bang to the body. Right. I know you can fight inside. Right. Do you see this fight as, you know, just taking him on the outside, or do you want to oblige him and try to make an inside fight as well? Well, I don't want to give up too much of the strategy, but like I said, if you watch previous, previous tapes of the old Hammer and Hank, you know, you're going to see a lot. You're going to see a lot of boxing going in the inside. Like, right now, you know, um, I'm currently back, you know, with the guy who started me off, Charles Ramey. You know, I was 16-0 and 0 with him. You know, you, sometimes you got to go back home. You know, I went back home. They got me boxing. You know, I'm looking sharp, you know, stepping with my punches, you know, no wild stuff, you know. I was in, like, a different type of dimension when I fought the Normade, but now I'm back to the old hammer and hand. Perfect, perfect. So the weight and everything is straight. No problems there. No problems. You know, I can make 140 in my sleep. You know, 35, you know, I was a big 135-pounder, you know, but I still can make 135, too. It just, you know, the the situation that happened with Petrol, you know, they it was nine-day notice. You know, me being a warrior, you know, and wanting to fight, you know, I took the fight, and I thought I could make it, you know. Came down from once. You think about it. I just fought Norma. Had a birthday, so I'm enjoying myself. So when I got the call, I was always in the gym, but I wasn't, you know, training to lose weight. But I, I did. I think I did a hell of a job in nine days. I came down from Danny 157 to make, you know, closely, you know, one 138. 
And then I offered this guy $10,000. Your highest purse was twelve point five, And you're going to turn down 10000 You ain't want to fight from the get-go. Mm. What's okay. you training out of right now? I'm actually training out of Mary Anderson, 17 for Fishwater. That's where I first started with the amateurs, you know, started my pro career off. So I'm back at home, you know, feeling good, you know, and I'm ready to show the world, you know, that Hammer and Hank is going to win a world title coming around this year. This back year with cornbread? or next year? Yes, cornbread. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Oh, he's, he's doing good, you know. You know, we excited to be back together. Then, you know, with the Peter Petrov fight, you know, it was a good thing, you know, on our behalf. If I thought about it, it gave us time to get back in the fruit, you know, in the flow of everything to get a, you know, get a chance to know each other again. And you know, right now, oh man, we work. You know, it's a good thing we back. Solid. All right, gentlemen, do you have uh, any more questions for Hank before we uh, let him go and get on with the rest of the show? I'm good. Um, yeah, I I got a question about the Mayweather fight. Uh, what do you think of it? It was a good fight, you know, but I, I really think, you know, it was he's smart, technical, you know, um, boxing wizard. You know, people seem to forget the name of boxing is to, to hit and not get hit, you know. Everybody's saying the man ran. He didn't ran. He broke him down. You know, he, he Floyd fought the way Floyd fought. You know, to me, and I'm going to be truthful, Pacquiao didn't bring the fight like we know Pacquiao generally do. You know, so if you want to say, oh, Floyd did this, blame it on Pacquiao because Pacquiao, you know, didn't bring the fight like he brings it to everybody else. You know, that jab, that straight right hand, you know, the right hand that also, you know, Marquez knocked him out with. He was a kind of, you know, timid of going in there and taking that risk, you know? Pacquiao yeah. wasn't the same Pacquiao that we've been watching, and Floyd neutralized him. So we can't, you know, a lot of people, they're giving Floyd heat. You can't give Floyd heat about that for doing what he do best. Right. And, you know, what do you think about Pacquiao uh, coming out with this, with this excuse for this, this, this injured shoulder? Because I know you're a fighter, you know, you've dealt with injuries throughout your career and kept your mouth shut. So, you know, what's that about? Yeah, listen. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you like this. Um, when you get in that ring, you know what you, if you hurting, you know what I mean, um, you don't take the fight. I fought with a, I fought David Diaz with a fractured rib. You know what I mean? I fought with two broken jaws. One, I watched Victor Ortiz quit in the sixth round because he had a broken jaw, but he's guaranteed a million or I think 1.2 million. I had to fight a 10-round fight. But my jaw broke, and I and that fight I made only twenty thousand. So you 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 tell me at the end of the day where um yeah you know I mean where these fighters carry their balls at you know yeah I'll make a hundred million dollars for the fight. Come on man, and 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 you gonna say your arm hurt? Come on man, where where your balls at man? At the end of the day, if you got it, if you getting what a hundred million, <laughs> I don't care if my arm broke, I'm still gonna throw that. After the fight, we get it fixed. I'm still going to get my all in all. I ain't no excuses. If you lost, take your loss like a man. That's one thing about me, man, you know. I never, you know, um, oh, man, this and that made excuses. I took my losses on the chin, you know. And, you know, at the end of the day, the world see, you know, my losses 
are all controversial, you know, so I don't have to speak about it, you know what I mean? When I get in there and fight and display what I do, everybody, you know, know, know what's going on, you know? I, I, my, 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 you know, perspective to Pacquiao, own up to the fight. You lost, you know, and if you're going to get a rematch, come back and do better than you did to show people that everything was a fluke. Uh, All right. See, that, that, that's how a fight is supposed to react. All right, thanks. Thanks, thanks for coming on the show. I'm going to end it like this. Hammer and Hank coming to a city and town near you. It's Hammer Time. July 11th, HBO Latino. Y'all already know the West in L.A. Let's get it. All right. Yeah, All right, thanks. Take care. Good luck in camp. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. You know, I didn't want Hank to cuss me out, but uh, Red, <laughs> uh, Terrence Crawford's trainer, was listening to the show just now, and he said for me to tell Hank, but I wasn't in the mood to get cussed out today, he said that I am rooting for him and to listen to his damn coaches. So that is the the message that Terrence Crawford's uh, trainer, Red, asked me to pass along. His Twitter is Redder402. So Coach Terrence Crawford says, Cameron Hank, he's rooting for you. Listen to your coaches. And that's that. So with that, let us now switch gears. Let's go back to this uh, narrative control that top ranked this Illuminati Jedi mind trick that they are playing on us with this uh, this shoulder gate debacle. You know, for whatever reason, it's, it's funny to me. It makes me think of that post-fight interview with Mike Tyson where Mike said, I broke my back. I couldn't fight. I broke my back. And this whole shoulder incident is taking on such a cartoonish value. It's ridiculous because this fight was too expensive and too much money was invested for it to, to end like this with the focus on the what is, could is. Let's just spin the narrative the other way around. Let's just say Floyd came out and said, you know what, I hurt my shoulder before the fight, and that's why I didn't perform so well. What do you think the public reaction would have been to that? <laughs> He's a crowd, baby. They, you, he would be you see a bunch of memes with him, uh, you know, patting his eyes with a tissue, um, tears coming down. Like that. I'm 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 oh, how memes there are that are floating around after this. And you know, of, of what benefit does top rank get by controlling this narrative, Ismail? How does this well, benefit they, you know, Pacquiao we have he has this happy go lucky image, you know, he's seen as the antithesis of Mayweather. So they're able to maintain that. They can just say, Oh well, you know, he tried to do this for the fans. You know, so many fans have paid so much money to come to Vegas. He didn't want to make them wait any longer. He's the gallant warrior. He tried to persevere through the injury. You know, because when I went to the press conference, right after the fight was over, you know, the first person that spoke was Bob Arum. And when he got up there, this was the first thing out of his mouth, is that Pacquiao was fighting with a bum shoulder. He did the best that he could. The athletic commission wouldn't let him get a shot. You know, that's, these are the first things that he said. So immediately when the fight is over, this is what the first thing that we're talking about. This is the first thing on writers' minds. So inevitably, this is going to be the first thing that's written about online about this fight. So, you know, he's very, they're very, very smart as far as what they're doing. So, you know, Mayweather's whole performance, you know, he won the fight of his generation. That's taking a back seat. You know, that's kind of the reason why I think he came out and said, you know, well, I'll give him a rematch. 
he might necessarily not want to do that, but he at least wants to put it out there that, you know, the option in the door is open if he really wants to try and redeem himself. But I don't really feel like the general public really thinks that Pacquiao did them a disservice, you know, except for the ones that paid, you know, $100,000 for tickets and all that nonsense. But it seems like the regular fans are more so blaming Mayweather. Another example would be, I'm sure you guys saw that uh, Floyd Mayweather's punch-out video that was on YouTube where basically yeah. they spoofed Mike Tyson punch-out. You know, who are they blaming in that clip? They're, bl- they're, they're not blaming Nanny. Right, they're not blaming the nanny for not being able to cut off the ring or throw a decent jab or, you know, fight the way he normally fights. You know, he only landed 80 punches. You know, they're blaming Mayweather, acting like he didn't throw any punches the whole fight, even though he nearly doubled the punches landed that Pacquiao did. And he might have actually doubled the punches landed. So, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we as writers, maybe we did a disservice in, in as far as not explaining enough the quality of what Mayweather does in the ring. Because to me, it's like at this point, you would think everybody knows this is how Mayweather fights. This is how he executes his game plan. This is how he defeats and demoralizes opponents. But everybody seems so shocked, like they've never seen him fight before. So I don't know if that's on us or, I mean, because it it didn't seem like they were promoting this fight like it's going to be a drag-out Hagler-Hearns brawl. I didn't get that from the promotion. So I'm kind of perplexed where all this is coming from and why Manny's still able to escape all really all of the backlash for the most part. It's really still all on Mayweather. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course it is. That was going to be the result regardless. Regardless. If Floyd won, it was flawed. If Floyd lost, it was flawed. It was going to be, you know, he is the bad guy, you know, of his own design. You know, of his, he is always going to be cast as the bad guy. He could have knocked Pacquiao out cold, and it would have been, oh, Alex Ariza, is juicing him up, or, oh, Pacquiao was shot. He could have been defeated by Pacquiao. Oh, I knew Floyd wasn't that good to begin with. He wasn't going to win regardless, regardless. I just didn't expect it to take this twist because I don't ever remember seeing Manny Pacquiao complain in the media after a fight. Even after the fight with well, him, well, he clearly won. I, I do think he has a history. I think he has a history of <laughs> complaining. Um, that the the third Marquez fight, um, where he won the fight, yeah, but everybody yeah. said he lost. He said, "Oh, you know, I had cramps in my legs, and you know, he just he just couldn't get off because you know his, his legs were hurting him too much." And when he lost to Morales, he talked about, "Oh, you know, I, they, they took blood too close to the fight, made me weak." Guy always has an excuse when people think he lost the fight. Didn't Manny also say he had like, some sock problems against Morales? Like he had problems with his socks? Yeah, I did. The Sox, too. <laughs> the guy, honestly, he complains. He really does. People, you know, they just forget because, you know, they they always, the, 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 the you know, the, the attention's on Floyd being this diva. But Pacquiao is a diva. He really is. I mean, he might <laughs> not be a, a Mayweather diva, but the guy is a pain. Mm-hmm. And That's he the just, irony. He gets really, overlooked. It really yeah, does. They're not they're not really that much different from each other. And, of course, you would expect them not to be. They both be on this level like this, but one guy gets the flack and one guy's able to escape most of it. That's the fascinating thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's still, he's, what did he get? What else to back out? He, he said that Mayweather had a mole in his gym and that he knew about the shoulder injury and, and when he was clinching <laughs> him, he was deliberately pulling on his shoulder to mess it up even further during the fight. Now, think yeah, about some of these accusations. This, everything. 
imagine well, Mayweather saying this stuff. Imagine if Mayweather wouldn't say stuff like this. He, he would be laughing. Oh, my God. He, he would be completely <laughs> crucified. Exactly. His whole legacy well, then, okay, would be well, defined then, by his client. Okay, that's a very good point. Mayweather had a mole in the gym, and that's how they found out about the shoulder, and that's why Floyd was pulling on his arm during the fight. Okay, well, obviously Floyd had a mole in the gym. It wasn't none of those 800 people that do road work with him in L.A. every morning. (laughs) And clearly it wasn't the 10,000 people that hang out at the wild card gym at any given time. Who did you tell you had a shoulder problem to? Who would know that? Bob Arum, Freddie Roach, and... I, I, that's not anything you tell a spar. I don't imagine you tell your sparring partners, oh, take it easy on him. This shoulder acting up a little bit today. That's ridiculous. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He had a mole inside the gym. Mr. I'm so holy, but all glory is due to God, but I'm going to stand up here and let it rain down on me like I am a boxing god. That was oh. what cracked me up during Man. the, the way get a shot. Oh, my God. And, and, and here's the reason he couldn't get a shot on fight now, because he didn't disclose the injury. The Nevada State Athletic Committee said, well, he said there's nothing wrong with it. Why should we give him a shot? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and on top of that, if the person filling out the paperwork, how how do you fuck that up? It wasn't like you were <sighs> and you were just clicking too fast with the mouse. This was a handwritten document. It didn't occur to you to read what you were signing in the most important fight of your client's career? Give me a break. And he needs to be fired. They did come true on the, uh, the drug question. Like, they listed the shit he took, you know, just just so, you know, any any post-fight, you know, drug test would not uh, uh, get them in trouble. But everything else, they just checked no. No, 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 no. Give me a break. I don't, I don't <laughs> even fill out a note for my kid without reading all the lines on it. This man yeah, is so fighting what I'm for. Is they read it. They read it, and they they made the conscious decision to say no. Oh yeah, it was it was definitely deliberate. Yeah. Ridiculous. These, these Absolutely guys, these ridiculous. Guys are not fools. That's, it's <laughs> not very Christian like to lie. That's not very good. That's not very good. So. Well, you know, I, I do remember Mandy said. What did he say when um they had the first negotiations with Floyd? He said liars go to hell when he was talking about uh something that Mayweather did. So yeah. He, he has no problems invoking, you know, the religious content when it benefits him. Uh, and then again, now I'm thinking about this more. You know, I'm thinking about when I was watching the fight, watching it live. I'm thinking about Pacquiao coming down to the ring, smiling, taking selfies, all that stuff, holding up the belt during the weigh-in. His shoulder looked pretty fine to me. And then, like Ryan said, it looked pretty fine in that fourth round, too, the round that he's the best <laughs> round in the, the fight for him. So... Uh. You know, it, the fight didn't stop being competitive or, in, uh, you know, interesting simply because Pacquiao couldn't throw a single punch anymore. Like, which arm was injured? Was it uh, right the shoulder right, or the left shoulder? shoulder? Yeah. Right shoulder. Right shoulder. Right. Mm-hmm. And his, big, his straight left hand is honestly his money punch. Because right. while, you know, people claim he has this right hook, he hasn't shown a good right hook in many years. Let's mm-hmm. just be honest. Right. Okay. His 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 punch is the straight left hand, and he was not throwing it. Mm-hmm. He was not yeah. throwing it because he wasn't throwing anything. The guy literally was was standing and following Mayweather around the ring, and he 
and not throwing punches for a large periods of time. He got outworked by Mark says Floyd Mayweather. You are going to be chilling with the Real Housewives of New York City. Oh, sorry. Sorry, we're not going to be chilling with the Real Housewives of New York City. I don't know why that happened. But anyway, go go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he got worked by Floyd Mayweather. That's not acceptable. It's just not. Floyd is not in there throwing that many punches. That's Never. his whole M.O. And you let him Never. outwork you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah. If the one, look, look, Andre Berto put more effort against Jesus Soto Carras with a real injury. His arm was yeah. clearly screwed up. Like, you can see him in pain. Like, yo, Berto looked like he is up right now. And he mm-hmm. was still coming. Like, he was actually kind of getting back into the fight before he got knocked out. Mm-hmm. Pacquiao didn't show any kind of, you know, incentive that he, he really wanted to win the fight. So, the shoulder to me is just an excuse. Because even if it was, was real, even if it was real, he should have tried harder. I mean, you know, See, people, I don't know people if really you believe have your, he lost the fight because of this. What rounds what round did you guys score for Pacquiao? I scored rounds four, six, and nine for Pacquiao. But, you know, people I don't agree with me with uh, I gave Pacquiao also round 12. But definitely four and six, I think, is the general consensus among all people who scored the fight that Pacquiao legitimately won that fight, won those rounds. I listened, I watched a video today on Fight Hype where they had a chance to talk to Floyd immediately after the fight. You know, they went to the crib and kicked it with Floyd, and he said himself, I felt like Pacquiao won three of those rounds. You know, he was, you know, jabbing me and getting some work. So at what point, I don't understand how they determined that the shoulder became an issue in round three. And even with Mike's in the corner, you know, Ryan, you were watching at home. I was watching it in the bar. Did Freddie Roach or anybody in the corner make any mention of Pacquiao's shoulder? Nah, they didn't hear shit about no shoulder in the um, exactly. in the corner during the fight. Didn't hear nothing. Now, HBO won in Pacquiao's corner every round, I don't think, from memory. I bet um, you they in the corner on those rounds yeah. he won. <laughs> but, yeah, sure you know, can't. if he, if he said anything in the corner – uh, all access, uh, well, I mean, uh, inside the neighborhood of Pacquiao, uh, Epilogue will, will pick it up because they pick up everything. <laughs> so if you don't see nothing about it, it, he didn't say it. Let me see. The rounds that you said, I gave Pacquiao four, six, nine, and ten. What about I you? Gave him nine. That's interesting. I gave him nine also. I gave him four, six, nine, and twelve. Like, I thought nine was a really good middle of the round, honestly. I have to look at that again. I'm trying to think, was that the round where ten. he won I the gave few decent ten, body I didn't shots. think they were the try. Right. Mike, uh, our listener, yeah. Mike, Mike Boyce from New York, said he gave Pacquiao four and ten. Okay, I'm looking at my card. I gave Gentlemen, Pacquiao if you could, while you're on the line, three. Well, tweet your timeline and, and ask your timeline, your respective timelines, what rounds they felt Pacquiao won if they scored the fight. And I will tweet okay. the same. I'm curious to see other people's reactions because I noticed well, I on fight night, people at you know retweet my scoring instead of doing their own scoring, which is fine with me. You know, I'm happy for you to retweet me. But you know, people who complain so much about the politics and boxing don't take the time to really examine the merits of what they're the ring generalship and effective aggression and all those things and score the rounds themselves. 
For those of you who have such severe complaints about refereeing and scoring and judging, start scoring your rounds. Start scoring your rounds and then compare your scores to Harold Letterman or, or Steve Farhood and, or whomever respective network you're watching and see how you, what you're seeing is measuring up to what they're seeing, what is measuring up to what the judges are seeing. If you do all those things, then you will start to develop more intricate knowledge about boxing instead of just watching a fight complaining, oh, you ran any hell. If you actually score the rounds, it's going to make you pay attention to what is actually happening in the ring instead of just listening to what the broadcast desk is telling you because the broadcast desk is going to make you believe that their guy is landing punches that aren't there. So let me um, tweet that to out of timeline. So many people complain about officiating and judging and scoring and all these things, but they don't bother to score the rounds themselves. If you score rounds, then that means you're paying attention to the entire fight, not just you looking down at your computer and every time you hear Jim or Al or Morrow go, oh, there's a punch, and then you look up, you've missed the whole thing. You don't know if it was a legit yeah, punch. They, I thought the uh, broadcasters are very um, honest on this fight. Like They didn't oversell Pacquiao. Uh, uh, even the HBO crew, like Harold Letterman, Jim Lampley, they, they called it like it was, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, you know, maybe disagree with them on some rounds, but I could see, I could understand uh, how – they scored it the way they did. It wasn't. It wasn't unjust to me. So no, I I even, totally agree. And what was also pretty funny to me was Max Kellerman in the post fight interview. I think Max forgot what network <laughs> he was for for a second. Max was looked incredulous. He looked like um, what's our guy who interviewed uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. after the fight? Oh, yeah. oh Jim Gray. <laughs> yeah, he was like, you thought yeah. he won. Well, I don't think you won. It looks like you got a walk. Like, you think you won the fight. <laughs> I think with anybody, you know, when you're doing interviews and stuff, you're expecting a certain type of response. And I just think they were not expecting, with definitely with Chavez and definitely with Pacquiao, what they said. So it just threw them for a loop. He got a very honest reaction from both of them when they heard that. It's like, you think you won the fight. You threw less punches than Floyd Mayweather. How did you win the fight? <laughs> Oh no! I mean, maybe like, he thought they were going to ever going to win a fight with Floyd Mayweather by throwing less punches. When was this ever going to happen? Never. <laughs> I don't know. So we'll we'll wait. So as we uh, continue with the show, <laughs> on and people tweet us their scores. Somebody said, "Oye, pues yo lo estoy viendo gratis aquí. No entiendo para qué pagáis el combate." Okay. Thank you, Rena. That doesn't tell me what I translate. Yeah, you know, I don't think that was like a real person. I think it was like spam or something. But I just wanted to read it in Spanish so I could say I speak more Spanish than Danny Garcia. So don't mind me. Um, Let's go on. Let me ask you guys this. Before you go, what do you think this fight does for Floyd's legacy? Because, you know, obviously this is not going to be a win in the same vein as, you know, Ali defeating, I mean, excuse me, Frazier defeating Ali or Duran beating Leonard. You know, it's not a classic fight like that. It's more of a... It's not like got with right, Those, those right. are upsets. Yeah, true. So this is more This is more like in the vein of Lewis Tyson, you know, type of event, more so than oh, a, a classic fight. I give more credit than that. <laughs> well, I mean, I well, was yeah. It was undisputed. True, true, true. <laughs> yeah, Manny was not that far gone, but in the sense that you have two older guys and one is clearly superior to the other, kind of in that vein. But, yeah, Manny's not shot like that. 
But what does this do for Floyd's legacy? Because obviously Manny's an all-time great, so this is the first, I think, all-time great that Manny, that uh, Floyd has on his resume. Does it significantly move him up the list, you think? No. No. Don't think so? Honestly, I don't I, think you know, it's I, You know, I, it's like this. Does it move him up the list for people that uh, weren't very critical of him for, you know, ducking and dodging certain fighters over his career? No. But for a lot of people, um, they would not give him the credit they deserved for honestly having a great career. The guy's beating 20 world champions over five weight classes, and he never lost a fight. That Mm -hmm. is unprecedented. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if anybody's going to do that ever again, and that's if the WBA comes up with another five world titles. So they'll do that tomorrow. You know, it's really... It's going to be something that's really hard to do, you know. Um, how high do I rate the win amongst his other wins? I say you still have to rate it at the top. Not by, like, a whole lot, but I say you still rate it at the top. Um, and even though Pacquiao is, is diminished, sport is diminished too. Like, to me, when yeah. I saw the fight, I saw two old men in the ring. I say, you know what, both these guys should retire. <laughs> that, for real, for real. That, neither one of those guys is, is near the top of their game anymore. Because even when Floyd was was you know kind of stepping on the gas to come at Pacquiao, and Pacquiao was honestly defensive, Floyd couldn't. He he was having trouble pulling the trigger, and he was kind of getting sloppy, you know, trying to press the attack. And Pacquiao was able to get it out of the way. And I was just looking. I was like, you know, these guys are old. Uh, that's why Floyd want to get out of the game. You know, he's not trying to fight anymore. Well, I think you're right, Ryan. I can't even disagree with you. And as far as what this does for Floyd's legacy, it does nothing because there's because since Top Rank is controlling the narrative with this Pacquiao injury, it's always going to be one of those asterisk asterisk victories. Well. He fought an injured fighter. Well, you know what? Here's a news flash for those of you who hate Floyd Mayweather. Every fighter is injured when they enter into a fight. You find me a fighter who has zero injuries to his body when he gets to fight night, then he clearly wasn't training hard enough. You're going to have jacked up shoulders and knees and fingers and bruises and scar tissues and, and ribs and uh, the flu and all types of affliction. You fight for a living. You're not baking. You're not making tea. You fight for a living, and the way to become a better fighter is by fighting. So any fighter who goes into a fight injury-free is lying. It might not be as debilitating as other injuries. It's like guys who play basketball. Guys go into basketball games with sore heels, plantar fasciitis, ankle injuries, pulled muscles, strained calves, knee injuries, all kind. When you are an athlete, that's just the par for the course. So to say, oh, he would have been 100, he's he, he probably hasn't been 100% healthy since he was, like, 12 years old. So by controlling, by top rank controlling the narrative, it's like Bob Arum's last little kaya to the ribs of Floyd, like, I'm going to get your ass for walking away when you were supposed to fight Margarito and buying yourself out your contract. When you finally get the biggest <laughs> fight and you dominate my guy, I'm going to make sure that people don't think the victory wasn't shit. So I'm going to control a narrative just so I can get in your ass one last time. Because the chances of, cause Floyd's never going to fight another Bob Arum fighter again, ever. 
So I think this was Floyd Floyd getting his ass one last time on his way out. Either way, I'd say he has at least established himself as one of the great welterweights. And I don't think people would have looked at him as one otherwise. Like, he, he still needed to make this fight. Because um, the welterweight is a stat play class. You know, you got guys like Sugar right. Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard, Henry Armstrong, Damon McLaren, Barney Ross, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a whole bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, it was it was a fight that he had to do. Um, he's been at Roseway for a while now. Uh, I think, what's his overall record? Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven to know at welterweight, and I think ten of those guys were rated like highly at the time that he fought them. So, right. and of the ten, how many were world champions? Mm. I don't know. I just feel oh. like the last signing oh. victory of Floyd's career were none of these fights on this Showtime deal. These were all fights Taylor made. He was expected to win. So really. Pac, Maidana, Alvarez, Guerrero, none of these fights really did anything for me for Floyd's ultimate legacy. The last fight, and for damn sure not that Victor Ortiz fight, the last fight (laughs) that did anything for me for Mayweather's legacy was Cotto, Marquez, Mosley, De La Hoya. Everything outside of those fights. Marquez? Yeah. Yeah. These are all fights he's expected to win. Come on, Robert Guerrero, for real? Seriously? Canelo Alvarez, big and slow. Marcos Maidana had the best chance, but slow and wild. Manny Pacquiao, you know, he had no footwork. Victor Ortiz, he cheap shot it. You know, none of these victories really, I mean, they're great on the resume, but they don't really make me go, God damn. Well, let me say this. As far as, Ooh, okay, as, far who else as would have beat Pacquiao though? that night? That, that's the question. Who else at 147 would have beat Pacquiao that night? Wait, say that again? Who else at welterweight would have beaten Pacquiao on that night, May 2nd? The way he's talking about his shoulder was bothering him hell. Keith Thurman might have beaten him. <laughs> <laughs> for real, though, for real. Like, screw his bogus ass excuse. Because to me, he was in the fight for six rounds. For six rounds, that was a fight that I could have seen going all the way. I gave him three of those rounds. Maybe I was kind to him on one of them, but I thought he won four and uh, six clearly, and I gave him one other one. I think it was three. So, and that's usually about how long any Floyd Mayweather opponent that does good against him lasts before they just start falling apart. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who else would it be? I, I can't think of right now. Did Pacquiao even connect at all with Floyd's chin during the course of the fight? Oh yeah, he, um, he wobbled him in the fourth with that, uh, yeah. that left hand. Yeah, he didn't want to. Okay, yeah, so was actually hurt in the fourth round. That means um, we can take round, Khan he got, out. Of he got you know tagged, but he wasn't hurt. But he he still covered up like he was hurt. He, he was kind of Kel- kind of you know beating Pack out to, to punch himself out. What about Kell Brook? Kell Brook? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would he That's have beaten Pack Oh, would he have beaten Pack You know, you said uh, another fighter could have beat Floyd. Uh, could have beat. Pacquiao, Saturday night, that version of Pacquiao we saw, I think Kell Brook would have beat him. I think Kell Brook too lazy to beat Pacquiao, honestly. Nah. 
Cal Brook, you know, you know, if he was fully focused, you know, and, and fighting at his best for every round, yeah, he he could win the fight. But I just don't think that Cal Brook exists at the moment. Mm. All right. Well, once again, this is the Ruckus Podcast brought to you by the Bad Culture Radio Network and HoodRunner.com. If you would like to call in and talk to us and weigh in on Mayweather versus Pacquiao, because I'm telling you right now, after tonight, not talking about this fight no more. 718-508-9852. The only way I'll talk about this topic again is this: they they really slap Manny with the. They need to knock it off with these clickbait articles talking about Manny's gonna go to jail for some. If, if they don't knock it off. Perjury. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I'm looking when I put that question out there. Most of my timeline, at least the, the people that are getting back to me, they're saying. Uh, you know, four and six, um, you know, maybe one more. And, yeah, nobody's really going to out a lot of rounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave him four and six, and I thought he did pretty good in round nine because Floyd was chilling. But I'd have to go back uh, and it read. Was, I, I, I swear to God, it was round ten and Floyd was chilling. Y'all, y'all mixed up a round. I don't know. I was yeah, drinking. Look at him again. Well, let, me add, funny, let me say something about what night. you were talking about, Gianza. I'm sorry? Can you? So let me ask something real quick, what you were talking about, about not being impressed with uh, Floyd's recent recent wins. Okay. Basically, you kind of have to look at it like he's the beneficiary and also the victim of kind of the modern boxing matchmaking style as far as pay-per-view fights and things like that, where he does normally get the number one contender where he'll fight somebody coming off a big win. But he's mm-hmm. not doing what a lot of these guys like Robinson Leonard, what they did as far as cleaning out the whole top ten. He doesn't do that. He just fights the guy that has the most recognition or got a big win, and then he considers that done. So I think that's where that hurts Floyd all the time when you start looking at guys like Jose Napoli, Leonard Robinson, who you know who had 14, 15 defenses in some cases and cleaned out their top 10. So you're not really going to get that with Floyd, but you are going to get him taking out the top one or two guys every year. So I think mm-hmm. you got to look at a little Robinson cleaned out his top 10 either, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you start looking at Burley and he, people like that, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And you know, the black murders, bro, because they weren't worth any money. And uh, <laughs> Robinson was about the money. He, he was like Floyd in that regard. I mean, Robinson fought great fighters, but Robinson fought great fighters because great fighters paid great money. That's how it worked back right. then. You know, if if Robinson was managed by Al Heyman today, and you you told him he could make, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, tens of millions of dollars fighting cream bucks, fight cream bucks, <laughs> he would do it. Right. Yeah, so we never really structured different back then. Like you had to fight the best guys out there if you wanted to make money. Um, in a lot of cases, it's just unfortunate. Um, the ones that weren't marketed right, uh, those are the ones that really didn't get the shots. Right. That's why we never. I think if we would have seen that type of structure before, you might have seen him fight somebody unexpectedly that would give him a rough fight that we would never foresee. Like, you know, Robinson had that with uh, Randy Turpin. You saw what happened yeah. with Ali and, and Norton. We'll never really see that with Floyd because he's not fighting that many contenders like that. Because for all we know, you know, the the person that well, might yeah, have the kryptonite with Floyd. Madonna, I think that was more so just because of the size difference than really anything else because Madonna was so big fight night. What was he, like 170 pounds? <laughs> he was pretty big. He was like a Yeah, I think, I think that was the main reason. <laughs> Because, you know, for all we know, Mayweather's kryptonite style could be somebody real random like 
Selchuk Aiden or somebody ridiculous like that, but we'll never know because he's not going to fight a full <laughs> schedule like that. You never know. You Hell, never know. He really, was slow with fighting top ten guys. Nowhere. Right. Like, you know, somebody, Robinson, he messed around and uh, lost his fight to this guy named Ralph Tiger Jones, who's exactly. well, not a bad fighter, but he had a lot of losses. Okay, like it, it wasn't difficult for a lot of people to beat Ralph Tiger Jones. But Robinson lost, and he didn't want to give him a rematch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Floyd was fighting six, seven times a year. There's going to be an off night against somebody. It's just, it's just the way the human body is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, are we ready to uh, put this one to bed? Oh, before we put it to bed, I must say... <laughs> Y'all saw my video. Al Heyman scared the shit out of me. He just popped up out of nowhere. <laughs> like Vampire in Brooklyn. For those of you who haven't seen it, you can go on my YouTube channel. I'm standing there interviewing Virgil Hunter, and I think I caught Virgil off guard because I can tell that a lot of women probably don't interview Virgil Hunter at any given time, not because he doesn't want to, but just because there aren't that many of us. And so I'm talking to him, and my back is to the casino, and he goes, hold on for one second. So I figured somebody's approaching. I turn around. Oh, shit, it's Al Heyman. Just mobbing around. Security, no nothing. He, hey, hi, how you doing? I'm like, oh, and you can hear me in the video go, oh, Al Heyman. And then, and just like that, he was gone. That scared the hell out of me. I don't, I don't ever want Al Heyman rolling up on me when my back is to him. I need to be turning around, and I need to see him coming. So I had my, my brush with, with Al Heyman, which was pretty exciting in the aftermath. So if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Share it with a friend. Tell a friend. I'm going to tell people, oh, yeah, I did a full interview with Al Heyman. He was just so candid. <laughs> but anyway, that was, uh, that was my, my, fun, my fun moment of the night. So before for the good of the order, before we put the, the lid on Mayweather Pacquiao, any final thoughts before we close it up? Well, my final thought is I'm glad it's over with. You know, we finally got the answer for better or worse, and we can stop talking about this. Like you said, we know who's the better fighter out of those two. They both have their legacies. They both gave us great moments over the years, and I think it's really time to start focusing on the new generation of fighters that we got now, pretty much. Ryan, final thoughts? Any? Um, I'm just waiting for Pacquiao to come up with another excuse. <laughs> and we'll have to revisit the topic then, honestly. Because it's going to happen. I don't want it to happen. It's going to happen. You know. It's the way it is, man. That's how boxing works. Excellent, excellent. Then we will move on. Once again, this is the Ruckus Podcast brought to you by Bad Culture Radio Network and HoodRunner.com. If you haven't already, buy a HoodRunner t-shirt. Support the dream. If you like boxing, you probably should be working out. And if you like boxing, you should be out there doing road work. Why not do it in a hood runner TV? In a hood runner tee. So, pick up a hood runner tee if you could, please. Also, so let's move on. Do we want to talk about Al Beltran or Smith McCalla? I could do without Smith McCalla. I was just being generous. Al Beltran. Yeah, that was disappointing. Yeah, that whole card was disappointing, as we knew it would be but it was on TV. So we could talk about that, or we could talk about Takahiro Al versus Ray Beltran. Ray Beltran had the opportunity, probably the closest he'll get to a title shot, barring a miracle in the next couple years. Lost it on the scale. Al grew 135. He should have 
jumped out of 135 before, but tried to stick around longer than his body could manage. Came in at the weigh-in, a pound overweight, gave him the two hours, was still 0.4, 0.5 over, so it became a non-title fight, and then he goes out, and he knocks out Takahiro out with relative ease. Do, at this point, if you're Ray Beltran, you have no choice really but to move up to 140 pounds. Is there any possibility of any type of title shot in his future, Ryan? No. Uh, and at 140, he doesn't have a shot. He gets beat by like everybody. In the, one, in the 140 division. Ismail, any scenario you can think of where it would put him in title contention? Uh, it's very typical, but, I mean, anybody can be in title contention as long as the WBA is around, so I'm not going to rule out him getting a title <laughs> shot. Yeah, so he can get a shot. <laughs> but as far as him winning, yeah, it's hard to see that. And it's kind of, you know, like you said, it's unfortunate. He's been a pro for, what, 16 years? Mm-hmm. You know, that the owl fight was, as you see, a very winnable fight, and he just couldn't get it on the scale. That's, that was the best opportunity. I think there's too many talented fighters, at, uh, especially at the championship level at 140, for him to actually win the title. That would be surprising to me. But, yeah, yeah. WBA is around. You can get a shot. Let's not ever rule that out. Yeah, that's true. I feel bad for the guy. I really did. It was, like you said, it was a very winnable fight. So there's that. The rest of the undercard were a lot of prospects. You know, you could check out my recap on badculture.net. Or if you watch the broadcast, shout out to Christina Poncher, you know, on the broadcast as doing analyst work. Got a chance to spend some time with her Wednesday at our Raging Bay Soiree. So kudos to her holding it down for the ladies. Speaking uh, of the world uh, titles. Because uh, Mayweather Pacquiao happened and Mayweather won, the WBO title becomes vacant. Mm-hmm. And that gives us the news, though it's not official at the moment, but it's obvious, that Tim Bradley versus um, uh, Jesse Vargas will be for the vacant WBO of the way title. <sighs> Bradley's about to get shut out 120-108 across the board. They're fighting in Vegas, right? <laughs> No, I, I heard I heard his rumor to be in LA. So Tim Bradley. Oh. Okay, that will that'll help. That's smart. You know, that helps him a lot. I won't be on his side, but the crowd never is. So that's good for him. But um do we no, you know Ryan has this theory that we curse everybody who comes on the ruckus, especially before they have a title shot. Do yeah, so we we're not having Tim on the show because we won't have him on the fight. Show. We, let's, let's try to get um, Jesse Vargas on the show. That'll work. Oh, my God. If Jesse Vargas came on the show, you think I have Wi-Fi and computer issues? My computer probably won't even put up. <laughs> oh, my my God, first question would be like, yo, Jesse, man, who do you know in Las Vegas? <laughs> I hope that fight is here. You know, I told Ismael earlier that I am so cool on going to Vegas any time in the near future, I have no desire to go to Las Vegas for any fights any time in the near future. In the foreseeable future, the, the cream of the respective divisions are probably not going to fight in Vegas because, you know, you've got Golovkin, you've got Canelo, you've got Cotto, and they fight in California, Texas, and New York, respectively. So, please, I don't want to go. I have no desire to see the Sin City any time soon. I am over it. This whole promotion and this whole thing just left such a disgusting taste in my mouth that I don't even want to go to Vegas anymore for a while. Now, now here, here's the thing. you got to remember. If 
Vargas can beat Bradley. Right. You know we are getting Jesse Vargas versus, versus Manny, Manny Pacquiao. Pacquiao. Oh, I know that. And I hope they can have that in Macau, Macau too. Yeah, I, it should be in Macau, but if it is in Vegas, I might have to put a bet on Jesse Vargas. <laughs> Ooh, I might have to put a bet on Jesse Vargas, too, you know, to keep it all the way deep. But if they fight again, you know, Jesse Vargas has fought one in Macau. They'll probably fight in Macau. I think Bobby yeah, Allen. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't expect him to get by Bradley. But then I, I didn't expect Bradley to draw in his last fight, and he did anyways. Mm-hmm. So, well, it wasn't a real draw, but, you know. Yeah. The judgment was kind well, of rough. But Bradley, he has been slowing down. He hasn't been looking himself lately. It's a sock. I thought he did good on that, that uh, True TV broadcast as a commentator. Like, I mm-hmm. like him better than... I think I like him better than Paulie, actually. And Paulie's really? good. Bad, better than Paulie, wow. Yeah. And we, you know, we were at the fight, so I didn't hear the I didn't hear the, the broadcast. Now, see, now I'm curious. i got to go back and um, and see if I can find a replay of it. With that broadcast, Jeff, because the only I was looking for a clip of the knockout, and I could only find one from like Great Britain. Hmm, Wait, I think I tweeted it out. Let me check. Oh, while you're doing that, we we've been messing up this show. We this show has to be a tribute for the rest of the uh, broadcast because we need to have a moment of silence for the career of Mr. Billy Dib. Oh, oh my God. Oh. My I told God, people, man, I told people on this show before it went off air last week. You sure did. Something bad was going to happen to Billy Dib. You sure did. You sure, you most but, you know, not many, not many people are up on Mirror, so I don't, people, we knew what was going to happen, but I think a lot of people weren't up on him. Billy Dib got his ass beat so bad it was ridiculous. And but It was all fast, though, because uh, uh, before the knockout, he, he wasn't hurt that bad. Like I didn't think he was winning the fight or anything, but he was he was doing a good job keeping distance and then you <laughs> got knocked out. Is he still a promoter period? <laughs> uh I mean he's gonna play one on T V next weekend. Yeah, uh, and that, that Canelo fight. Yeah, we have to talk about that at some point. Oh, I was I was kind of watching um, that uh, Canelo uh, Kirkland twenty four seven while this was going on, and uh, Ann Wolf was on the show, and HBO interviewed her and interviewed Kirkland and like not at the same place at the same time or anything, but like they, they would go back and forth between the screens and it was interesting. So you definitely want to check that I'm out. I'm gonna tell you right now that that's not legit interviews with Ann Wolf. You know why? Well, let me see. It's not current interviews with Ann Wolf because Ann Wolf no longer has her locks. Ann Wolf cut her locks off quite a while ago. And in these videos, she still has locks. No, I didn't see locks. Oh, they had, because I had it on, but I wasn't really watching it. So, and when I did glance up, she had locks. So they had some more current footage of her? Yeah, it it looked like current footage to me. I mean, because the questions she was answering were, you know, uh, relevant to this fight. Well, he was supposed to fight Canelo before. They were in talks about <laughs> yeah, that fight. Is, and it was supposed to be him versus um, else. Him versus, uh, what was it, Gabe? Gabe Rosado? 
And then that fight didn't go off because at that time when it was announced that he was supposed to fight Gabe, he was supposed to fight Canelo. He was in talks with Canelo then. Yeah, but no, it was specific to this fight. Like, you, you could tell. It was it was recent. You just well, have to watch it. I taped it. I'm going to have to watch it um, after I work out tonight because so, I'm very curious to see what she has to say. Because remember, we saw James Kirkland on our, on our media call. He said that he left Dan Wolf because he just needed to focus on some more technical aspects of his game, and that's why he left her. So I'm just Yeah, but, like, literally just uh, a point during the HBO interview with – where Kirkland says, you know, I'm really getting tired about y'all people who keep asking me about Ann Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's the one that had the most success with you, idiot. So. I'm not saying. Uh, HBO already put it on YouTube. Oh, cool. I'll put it up on, on BC later on tonight. I'll have to go back and watch it. But uh, sorry when you have someone who takes you to some pinnacle of success, and then you leave them. This is, this is how the cookie crumbles. Sorry. I don't know. So we have 28 minutes left. Do we want to just transition fully now into Canelo Kirkland, or which? what would you guys like to talk about? So we got to get Canelo Kirkland out the way. We definitely got to talk okay. about that. Um, I think we can get five or six rounds out of that fight, but I can't really see any way. Kirkland wins that fight, you know, because I interviewed him about a week or so ago. You know, he confirmed with me that he came in camp very heavy. So, you know, a lot of the camp was spent just getting the weight off and not really training, I think, strategy-wise to to win the fight. And I just don't think, you know, as much as he doesn't like us bringing up Ann Wolf, that was the perfect partnership for him mentality-wise. I think he's been out of the ring too long, and I think Canelo hits too hard. I don't think it'll be a flat-out KO, but I think it'll be kind of a TKO stoppage similar to the one that he uh, had a couple of years ago, his first defeat, actually. Right. Yeah, because if he, if he spent the majority of his time losing weight, he didn't have the adequate preparation to really change any defensive strategies that he should have been focusing on instead of focusing on losing weight. I'm, I'm assuming that's what he felt he needed to work on by leaving Ann Wolf because her training technique is to make him a killer but not necessarily to defend blows, is to deliver hard punches. In your interview, did he speak to any of the specifics that he wanted to work on with his new whomever he has? His main thing was mentally he wanted to keep the same kind of killer edge that he had before. His main thing was trying to maintain that and making sure he had that for this fight coming up, and he swears he does, but I, I really find that hard to believe based on everything that's gone along. I really just think that um, he's going to be overwhelmed. And I think we'll get maybe a couple flashes of the Kirkland that we're used to, but even the Kirkland that we're used to was wide open. And I think right. he's in there with someone that hits too hard to get away with that. Right. Yeah, yeah I see him trying to box, and the last fight I see that not working out. There was some good blows in there, too. Mm-hmm. So we tried to box early on. It, it won't work out. And uh, then I think he'll just go back to what he knows. And what he knows isn't going to work out because he's not going to have the proper motivation to make it work. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's been conditioned for that kind of fight. Okay. Right, I'm going to I'm going to agree with uh, Ismael and say stoppage. I'm going to say I'm going to go out on a limb and say – Canelo by six-round stoppage. 
still pick. I don't. Now, what about I don't the what about the younger card? Canelo stopping people. I think he. <laughs> I think he just kind of plays plays it safe. Like he'll land big shots, you know, score knockdowns, but I don't see like a killer instinct in him. I don't think he wants to mix it up at all. So I'm, I'm gonna say uh, Canelo by very comfortable decision. Or or perhaps a TKO because uh, Kirkland has just been uh, busted up too much. Mm. Hmm. Uh Yeah, I, I see the stoppage around about round six or seven. What do you guys think about the undercard fight with uh, Gomez, Frankie Gomez, Ooh. and Humberto Soto? That's a good fight. That's, that, that, that's going to tell us if Gomez is for real. That's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking... Only thing I'm worried about because Soto's been around for so long. I'm, it, can he keep it up? Because I think he'll make Gomez look foolish in some of those early rounds. I'm just worried about him just being overwhelmed by youth in those later rounds. And then of yeah. course maybe some favorable judging as well because Gomez is an undefeated up and comer. But the way he looked in that um, fight against Molina, you know, I would not be surprised if uh, Soto pulls it off. Well, we shall see. I will go with uh, Gomez by decision. Safe pick. Comfortable decision. Comfortable. Uh, I'd probably be inclined to pick that. So I think it would be a close decision, though. Close on the card, at least two of the scores are. All right. Brian? Gomez by controversial decision. Ooh, really? (laughs) Why controversial? Because... um, Soto is better, I think. Um, just, just won't get it. Just won't get it. At any rate, I foresee the card to be highly entertaining. It'll be the one night that the majority of my timeline is probably not complaining because, for whatever reason, I have a a lot of people in my timeline that complain about non Golden Boy cards. So. <laughs> You know, I hope you guys are happy on Saturday night so y'all can give me a break for once. Y'all swear that I'm just chilling for Al Heyman and whatever. So I hope y'all get your money's worth. And if it's a chess match with people running around the ring, I'm going to troll my ass off. I really am. Another thing, Gomez hasn't had a fight since he beat Vernon Paris and – July of 2014. Mm. It's a long layoff. Yeah, it is. Um, For a younger fighter to be rusty and come in against, you know, a very seasoned veteran for the first time in his career, he's he's fighting uh, a world-class opponent who who has been active recently and, you know, just has too much of an experience edge on him. So if he – I don't think he's going to be that sharp. And he's just going to – he's going to drop too many early rounds and uh, even though his youth might take over in the late rounds, I think it'll be too late. But Jesus should give him so many words, I think. But yeah, like my scorecard, I predicted I'll have Soto ahead by a little bit. Okay, excellent, excellent. Let's see. We now. Oh, DeAndre, we we got to talk about the the return of the middleweight king, Felix Stein. He's fighting oh. this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. For for a WBA title no less. None. Exactly. Or Magic title now, right? 
Imagine that. Isn't that amazing? The WBA, God bless them. They have all these spare belts. They do. I should. They, we should start calling them a community service organization because they have just so many belts to share with all the children of the world who don't have belts of their own. Well, you know, this fight was supposed to be an interim WBA super middleweight title fight. But uh-huh. I think it might still be, at least at first. Carl Frost got stripped of his regular title. So uh-huh. in said situation, the interim champion generally gets upgraded. Now, they might not do it immediately, but ultimately Felix Stern becomes world champion at some point. So I mean, Andre Ward still has the super title, uh, supposedly, but he's not even defending it <laughs> when he comes back in uh, June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm not going to, you know, jump up and down on my couch about that fight. You know, if I if somebody happens to email me a link to it, I'll watch it. <laughs> so Sturm is going to be uh, regular um, super middleweight champion, and then uh, I think... Abraham and Stieglitz are fighting for a fourth time because Stieglitz somehow is his mandatory again. Who knows how that worked. And whoever wins that fight uh, will fight Sturm. So if we get Abraham Sturm, that's a big fight in Germany, like a really big fight. Let me see. There's another. And and this fight, this Sturm fight is in Germany too, so the odds of him losing are pretty low. He ain't losing it, but let me see. Who is the junior welterweight champion, Jesse Vargas and Danny Garcia? Because there is also a... And uh, uh, Jose Benavidez. <laughs> he has the interim okay. title. Okay. And he's oh, got a fight coming up, too. Looking, he's fighting the guy that's coming off a loss to the one and only... Um, shit. This, hold on, his name all of a sudden just left me. Um, <laughs> give all. <laughs> uh, um, ah, crap. You are getting old. You were sparring today? Um, I didn't think I was. Maybe I got knocked out. Didn't even know I was sparring. You still won the fight, the, though. Tyler Junior, Logic, right? Um, hold on, let, let me check real quick. I was I'll tell you who he fought. He fought. You can do it. Vivian Harris. Yeah, there it is. Oh, wow. Vivian <laughs> Harris. Jose Pius Jr. lost to Vivian Harris in his last fight. It was a massive upset. Like, Pius was supposed to fight Eric Morales to begin with. And Morales got injured and just decided to retire. So they brought in Harris, late replacement. And Harris fucks around and actually wins the fight. <laughs> this was like the first like notable win Harris had in a long, long time. And Harris has been knocked out over and over and over again. Even briefly retired for a while, came back, started getting knocked out again. I don't know how the hell he won the fight. But he won the fight. And now the loser, uh, Jorge Paez, goes on and, and gets a world title shot or an interim world title shot against Jose Benavidez. Like, what, what kind of bullshit is that? I mean, really. Like, the WBA, have you no shame? Have you no shame at all? 
How do you give that guy Zero. a title shot? Zero. He just lost to Vivian Harris. Did you give him a title shot for real? Sure wow. did. Sure did. Yeah, they most certainly did. If you have your your chips together to pay these sanctioning fees, they most certainly will. I'm going to cut them a check tonight. I'm still waiting for my belt. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a real. They could just make up. I'm telling you. Watch, I'm gonna come on the show one week. I'm gonna tweet a picture out. It's gonna be me holding. <laughs> I mean, um, it should be easy too because in, in women's boxing, uh, the once you get to middleweight, uh, there's pretty much nobody there. So like, you know, anybody can get a belt. Like, really, like you have wait. like no challengers for your title. <laughs> there we go. I could. Well, let me keep my jokes to myself. Anyway, let's talk about the rest of what's happening uh, this weekend because we've got 17 minutes left. So starting on Friday, or actually, yeah, Friday is the 8th. Start on Friday. Actually, starting on Thursday. Actually, starting on Wednesday, title yeah, fights happening Wednesday. in That's Tokyo. That's you know, not, not too many hours from now. You know, it's just, just a matter of, uh, what, seven, seven or eight hours or so. Yep. Uh, or uh, before that, uh, I forget if, if TV's showing a tape delayed or not. But uh, Japan showing some very interesting, uh, well, at least one very interesting fight and another world title fight where a prospect gets, uh, well, no, that's not this week. Um, this week, under Ryoshi Taguchi, he, he gets a, a WBA light flyweight title shot. I mean, title defense. He's a decent uh, light flyweight. But the fight. And this, this is my fight of the week, honestly. Forget Canelo Kirkland, forget uh, Figueroa Burns, forget all that bullshit. Uchiyama, Chubatana. That's the all fight. Right. You heard it from Bivens. It is a WBA fight, unfortunately, but at least it's a super WBA fight. And then and, and yeah, Uchiyama right. is the king of the division. So, he is. Um, yeah, because man has been. How long has been champion? Luciano has been champion since 2010. And um, guys like Adrian Broner and um, Yorick Gamboa have all come to the division and gone without paying him any mind whatsoever. And Lucky Garcia, too, right? Uh, Mikey Garcia too, yeah. Yeah, they all just passed him by. And uh he, he also has a win over uh Miura who who's the guy that just should have sent Billy Dibbon to retirement, uh, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Right. Well that's that. But he's, he's, he's starting to get old. He's starting to get old. He's thirty five now. Um I, I think I not his last fight, but uh the fight before Daiki uh Kaneko. He was dropped in the tenth round. And he had some problems. He, he still clearly won the fight, but um, this uh, Chiwetana guy—he also beat Kaneko uh, more by just kind of outboxing him. He won a decision. Now the fight's in Japan, so I still got to favor the champion in this. But I'm seeing like a uh, a debatable decision here, like Uchiyama by a split decision or something. I think it's going to be good. Okay. On Thursday, we've got L.A. Fight Club here from Los Angeles. going to be on Fox Sports 1. bunch of prospects. The La Jolla's farming system. A headline by Manuel Avila versus Eric Ruiz. 
Diego De La Hoya fighting on the car, Ramiro Robles, so that'll be the broadcast portion of the, of the show, I'm sure. Moving on, Philadelphia on ESPN on Friday, Amir Hardcore Monstor versus Joey DeWeco. Ten rounds of heavyweight action, and in the I'll be at that fight. Oh, cool! I'm looking forward to yep. your write-up for, on BadCulture.net. And uh, is there media week? You doing media week stuff this for Mansoor this week? Um, they didn't they didn't uh, put anything out there. Oh, okay. I guess I think the fight sells itself. It is like a you know a Philadelphia bragging rights fight. It's, it's got got a lot of buzz here in the city. Uh, it'll be a good turnout. Um, uh, I, I guess like media days would help, or for like you know to 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 help move tickets. Not so much for like you know TV. I don't think they really care what the ESPN ratings are. You know, Friday night fights is is is, is dead anyways, right? After this uh after this broadcast of what the the, the top female finals. And mm-hmm. so that's no more. So I don't right. need to give a crap about those ratings. So yeah, yeah, I get to train a little more this week and not have to watch other people train. Excellent. So there's that in Philly, and then uh, on True TV, another part of the top ranked series: Glenn Tapia versus Michael Soro. In the main event, Shawnee Moynihan and Clayton Conciaco in the co-feature, and. Uh, Oh, Mike Reed, our guy, Michael Reed. Yeah, it's got to be yes, indeed, Mike Reed. He's on this car too, but it won't be on the broadcast portion. So shout out to him. Um, let's see what else is happening. Uh, club fight, of course, on Saturday, the HBO fight: Canelo Alvarez versus James Kirkland, Frankie Gomez, Humberto Soto, Jojo Diaz versus Giovanni Delgado, big giant, Tai Shan Dong, uh, fighting. Uh, Corinne, Joshua Cloddy fighting on this card? God damn. Yeah, you know, Joshua Cloddy's just on the card in case Kirkland decides not to show up. They oh, okay. Pushing Cloddy for the main event. And everybody will say, you know, they'll be, they'll be mad, but, you know, it'll be okay. You know, because that's still a decent enough fight where, you know, people aren't, you know, throwing beer bottles at you and shit like that. God damn. If you're going to Houston for the Canelo Kirkland card, there is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 fights on this card. Holy crap. Oh, yeah, I think crap. they're, like, starting it, like, like really early in the morning. It must be just started, like, like all-day and all-night event. Jesus, wow. even the promoter's kid is fighting on James Leha Jr. is fighting on the card, too. So, yeah, that's a lot of people on this card, so... If you go on to Texas, yeah. start drinking as soon like, as you get there because you're you going to be there a long time. Texas, you know, they expect people to come down, you know, just, just, just cook out and uh, drink beer, just, just lounge, you know, just treat it like a vacation. Yep, that's pretty cool. Let's see. Also happening, PBC coming from Hidalgo, Texas. I wonder how far that is from Houston. Omar Figueroa versus Ricky Burns in the main event. Of course, Omar Figueroa vacated the lightweight title, yeah, and uh, has, is making his debut at junior welterweight. So that's the main that event. That could be fun. Featured Jamie McDonald versus mm-hmm. Moki Kameda for the WBA regular bantamweight. That's a good fight. That's that's like one of the best fights this week, honestly. Like it's awesome. both intriguing in the ring and like on paper. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a meaningful fight. Like those are like two of the top bantamweights. 
And also, if you're watching this fight, it's going to be on CBS and it's on during the day, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's on at like 3 o'clock. So if you're going to watch that fight, don't look for it at night. I think it's on during the day. Austin yep. Trout is on this card, too. He was supposed to fight your boy, the man Mundini. Yeah, Anthony Mundini pulled out, ear. what was it, ear infection or something? Yeah. Yeah, ear infection. So that's that goes for... Monday finally, finally, you know, fight somebody with a pulse in the United States, and he has to pull out of the fight. <laughs> Just yeah, not meant to be. Best of us. Not meant to be, man. But you know what, Monday, uh, Pacquiao will need a, a a good bounce back fight, and uh, maybe he'll take it. <laughs> All right. And uh, as you mentioned already, Monday uh, versus Pacquiao and Macau. I can see it now. Oh God. <laughs> Felix Sturm, I'm going to keep going. Uh, fighting in Germany, as you already mentioned, and Jack Colke versus Maurice Weber in the co-feature. Got fights on Unamas also on Saturday. Got fights on BN Sports on Saturday. If you're across the pond, there's fights in London and in Birmingham. So a lot of fights coming on on Saturday. And then, uh, no, that's the next week, right before my birthday. We got some more fights coming up. So, oh, so for those of you listening who you love and enjoy the show, if you were planning on buying me a birthday present, because I know you were, instead of buying me a birthday present, you can buy a Hood Runner T-shirt, and I think that would be. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. Of course, I was gonna say oh. that. You know, don't spend money. You know, buying me, you know, lotion or flowers or edible arrangements. You know, I like those sort of things. You could save a lot of money by spending $12 and purchasing a hoodrunner.com T-shirt. All proceeds go to me. So that's the gift that keeps on giving. You get a shirt, I get your support. It's the gift that keeps on giving. If you know a lot of children or you teach, buy a bunch of them. Buy like 10 and give them to kids. Do some charity work. I think it's great. Charity begins at home. So we've got eight minutes left. Before we close the show, Ismael, final thoughts. Yep. Uh, one fight you forgot to mention, it might be kind of low-key, but um, Kuzumi Hasegawa, he's making this comeback, and he hasn't fought since he got destroyed by Kiko Martinez last year, I think in April last year. So I'm interested to see what he looks like coming back. I think Anthony Joshua also fights in, um, in the U.K. this weekend, too. So a lot of boxing. Uh, I think we've put Mayweather Pacquiao to bed, so on to the next thing. we got Triple G next week, too, so I think we have a nice little month of boxing shaping up. All right, Ryan, final thoughts? All right, final thoughts. Um, shout out to Adrian Broner for managing to get arrested during May Pack weekend <laughs> on some bullshit. Oh, oh. This asshole can't do anything without getting arrested. This is damn Shout out to Adrian Broner looking chubby and Marcos Maidana looking chubby dancing in the bathroom together. Adrian Broner is the most dancingest ass person in the world. Please put this man on Dancing with the Stars. He probably would be pretty damn good and it would keep him in shape. But that, did you see this video with him and Madonna <laughs> dancing? No, I missed it. Oh my god! Oh, we gotta watch that. Oh. That is hilarious. Madonna is looking big as hell. Madonna is looking like he's walking around at like one ninety, one ninety five. He just looks big. Looking off, soccer dad. He looks big. And him and Broner are in the bathroom hamming it up, dancing with each other. It's hilarious. But, you know, put Broner on Dancing with the Stars, he would be, I really think he would be really pretty good. 
because he's not shy. He likes to dance. And, I mean, hell, they've had other fighters on. Hell, Floyd was on there. If Floyd can be on there, I think Middle America can handle Adrian the problem broner. He probably would be super-duper um, look, 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 Floyd, Floyd is in his 30s. I think he was still in his thirties when he when he got on there. Like, no matter. Broner, Broner's in his twenties. He's still an asshole. Like Floyd at least can be an asshole <laughs> off camera. You know, like when the camera comes on, like he he knows how to you know calm it down and, and you know say the right things. Broner doesn't even know how to do that yet. Okay, he's not potty trained. I'm sorry, the kid is not potty trained. <laughs> you, you you put him out there in the public like that, and he's going to mess it he's up. He's going to pee himself. <laughs> my God, bro! Can you imagine this idiot on TV? He doesn't get eliminated. We just eliminated some Mexicans this week on Dancing with the Stars. Oh my God! ABC would pull. Oh Lord, have mercy! You know what? You're right. I didn't even think that through. I didn't even think that through. So no, no, no Dancing with the Stars for Broner. Keep making um, Instagram videos because you are freaking hilarious. So at any rate, that is another installment of the ruckus. I'd like to thank my gentlemen, Ryan Bivens and Ismail Abdul Salam. Always a pleasure to be with the both of you. We will be back next week to talk about all these fights that are happening this weekend. I'm going to see how many. We know Ryan's going to watch all of them. I'm going to watch some of them. Ismail will watch some of them, and some kind of way we will meet in the middle. You have time to order your Hood Runner tea. My birthday is May 14th. I'm going to go see midget wrestling. No, midget boxing. I'm going to go see midget boxing, midget wrestling. I don't know. Something with the midgets on my actual birthday. <laughs> that's, that's not politically correct, man. It's, come on That's now. what it's being billed as. I, I sent an email Dwarf, to their not midgets. That's, that's what it's Dwarf. called. It's not, little, it's not little people wrestling. On the bill, on the promotion. It's not dwarves? Because I remember, like, uh, literally dwarf boxing being a thing. Like, I saw a fight. Some years ago, uh, I think it was on the, the Kimbo Slice undercard the last time he fought. I um I sent their promoter an email to see if I could cover it as media. You think I'm playing? I'm going to take my... Uh, it's definitely uh, uh, funny stuff. Like, it's uh, a combat sport. It, it, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to do a write-up. If anybody is in the L.A. area, I think it's in Riverside on May 14th. If you want to go watch... Midget wrestling or midget boxing, whatever it is, I'm going to go see. I had it on Facebook. If you want to go, hit me up because I'm going with a whole bunch of my friends. It's going to be my birthday. I'm turning 40. We going to drink and watch the people get it cracking, and then I'm going to do a write-up for badculture.net on the event. So if you want to go and you live in Southern California, hit me up. The more, the merrier. You're more than happy. I'm more than happy to have you come. So with that this is the ruckus. Thank you guys. We'll be back next week and good night.